wasn't sure I'd ever uh, step out and do my own thing. It took this place to do it. And it is Virginia Tech. This isn't some rinky-dink-ass program. I don't know if I could follow that one up. I'm yelling into the void, and that's what I like doing. <laughs> Pete, nobody's looking at your tweets. We're going to recruit our footprint, and we're going to work our tails off to bring those Virginia kids to Blacksburg. Those situations are the worst when you are on top of another guy. The relationships are very important to me. That's what this place is built on. That's your boy. That's your judge of character. I'm going to end up in a Columbia prison. At 95 Miami, is, is my fondest name. And maybe the experience after the Sugar Bowl with Wes Worsham and J.C. Price on Bourbon Street. <laughs> Come on, J.C. I want to know what you're drinking, Robbie. It is roasty goodness, even though I was out. What's open. the percent on that? 11. It was a dream come true back then, and it's a dream come true today. Hey, Mom, why don't you try a rail? We're going to put this old guy in a grave. For the love of the game. And I mow the lawn after work before the podcast. Mm, we just got better, guys. Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence, a Sons of Saturday podcast. My name is Pete, and you know my co-host, Robbie. We're here to bring you a little bit of a spring practice preview today. We've got news and notes from all over Hokie Athletics, but... Uh, Rob, why don't you get us started with the cheers here? I'm going to be unoriginal, but I got to keep rolling with the women's team, who's now, what are they? They finished off season winning eight straight, I think it was, something along mm-hmm. those lines. So, um, and then we'll hit it in a second, but Kitley with back to back ACC Player of the Year uh, nominations. So I got to. I got to stick with our crew that is rolling, despite uh, what might be happening in other areas of the program. Wrestling is doing doing all right. And then we got um, you know the ACC tournament uh, uh, for them. But overall, it, it it's it's got to be the basketball women's basketball team is probably the best cheers for for this off season. Cheers, man. Yeah, they did win eight in a row to finish it off. Three ranked wins in a row at one point, including a decimation of number nine Duke a couple weeks ago. They finished twenty-four and four, fourteen and four in the ACC, tied for second place with Duke going into the ACC tournament. How good in terms of the last thirty years or whatever we've been paying attention to hokey sports? How would you rate this as a chance to win a national championship? It's got to be one of like the best five chances we've had yeah i think that's that's a tough question uh it's probably hmm, the 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 tournament is so tough that's the only reason i'm going to put it lower is Mm -hmm. it is the upsets are so great and i don't know this from a statistical standpoint maybe women's basketball there's less upsets because there's like more of a fall off from the top teams to to lower level teams so that that may be the case but yeah, uh, if there's anything like the men's tournament, then I would have to. So maybe like three or four. Right? It's probably where I'd put them. I'd put them on there. Uh, yeah, because you would think football '99 is number one. Yeah, right? in terms of chances, you were in the championship game, so that's yes. pretty good. I know the women's soccer team got to the final four one year. I think. Yeah. Uh, we're very close. We've had a couple other good soccer teams, really good wrestling team. Mm-hmm. Although even if you have a top three or four wrestling team, those top couple, Iowa, mm-hmm. Oklahoma State, Penn State, like they're so hard to beat. The gap is is pretty large. Yeah. Um trying to think what else. Like the softball team last year, like they had they were had a pretty good shot at it. And don't we have a bass fishing uh national championship? Uh, and and see that's the thing. 
we always hear, you know, tech has no national championships in any sports. And I guess bass fishing or club lacrosse or whatever, the ones that we have won don't count. Um, soil judging. Yes. <laughs> I think we've won before. But and and Makai Lewis won an individual championship, national championship a couple years ago, but not a team title in the major Olympic sports, I suppose. So Let's root on those women. Let's hope they can bring one home because we want to get that monkey off our back big time. Not going to be easy. South Carolina, UConn, Notre Dame, like yeah. all the typical players are really good. I, they, uh, we need to get a meat judging team. So this is a college, uh, you know, you have a meat judging program. I feel like if we, that's something that Virginia Tech should definitely add. And I think we would be pretty good at that. I mean, I think we... Um, I think with everything that we got going on, that's that's going to be. Is where... that because of like the Smithfield bacon tie-in? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that's that's definitely it. And well, um, that's let's make a push to get a. If we don't, I'll probably offend somebody. There's probably somebody. We do, probably do have a meat judging uh, program. Uh, <laughs> meat and judging. I'm, this is this is a real thing. I'm telling you. So I'm I'm looking at it now. Meat judging program at the American Meat Science Association. That's where we're going to get our wins from now on. I, hey man, I I, I kind of like it. So the other night, I was watching Sixers national broadcast. So it's Van Gundy and the other people that do the ESPN broadcast. And at the Sixers games in the fourth quarter, if they miss two free throws, home crowd gets like Chick Fil A coupons or something, and everyone like cheers real loud, right? Just like the bacon thing that we do. And so right after so and so missed or made the free throw, Van Gundy's like the other night some college gave away free bacon. And I was like, Hey, that was us. <laughs> yes. That's a, that is uh, our, anyway, a recognition. Let's uh, let's get started on our news and notes, man. We are on the hunt for a new QB and offensive line coach. The QB coach we knew about for a little bit, but Joe Rudolph leaving the program for Notre Dame that just hit the wire. Uh, yesterday, I guess. Has he even interviewed yet? Uh, I guess the, 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 Running joke was uh, he had officially made the move, and it was the night before that he had even done the interview yet. But uh, yes, the Joe Rudolph heading to uh, Notre Dame to God has sent him that way. God's plan, right? God, God's will and a fat bag of cash. Uh, mm-hmm. Those two things uh, coalesced um, into him moving to um, to Notre Dame. He has no idea why he came to Virginia Tech. Yes. (laughs) If you read the first line of his statement, it was just cracked me up. Uh, We'll get more on who could replace him in a little bit. Andy Bitter has been laid off from The Athletic, and that's something that sucks because I know me and you both enjoyed reading him. It was a great way for us to keep up to date. Not that there's not other avenues to get your news like the key play. Uh, Sons of Saturday, Boundary Corner podcast, Hokey Hangover, the list goes on and on. But having the national beat writer at a major national outlet, it was someone we all turned to. And I really enjoyed reading Andy. So that's a big disappointment. Nobody saw this coming except for maybe me. Because every time I would log into, and that's nothing about Andy Bitter whatsoever. I love Andy. He's awesome. We've had him on the podcast you know, before. He's fantastic. And... um I've I feel like I know him even deeper just by having read his 
you know, his writing for so many years now. It's been like, it's been a long time. I can't even yeah. remember when he came over to Virginia Tech, but it must have been like nine years ago now, it seems like. It could be a decade. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a long time. So, but you go on The Athletic, scroll over uh, NCAA football. There's t- like 27 or 24 programs, I think, or something like that, 27 maybe, programs that have a page dedicated to them. And it's Alabama. It's weird. Alabama, Arizona State, Cincinnati, Clemson, Colorado, Florida. Like, go through the list. And I kept thinking to myself, like, the, we know Virginia Tech has kind of fallen off the map, right? Like, if you were going to rank Virginia Tech in terms of college programs and esteem at this point, in what would you put it as, like, 40, 45 at this point? I, I, yeah. You know, in terms of relevance, all of those sorts of things. So... I always looked at it. You have Ohio State on there, Notre Dame on there, Penn State, like all of the programs that bring in serious cash, serious viewership, all of those things. And unfortunately, we have fallen below that threshold. And I I have to imagine The Athletic, which has uh, access to a ton of the numbers on their readership, kind of looked at the numbers and it's no slight to Andy Bitter. It's just like, there's just not as many people coming to check out Virginia Tech. Uh, it was probably the, the math of it all. Yeah. And I wasn't sure how many other programs got dropped. I saw something on Twitter, maybe Washington also got dropped, which makes sense in terms of a tier. Don't quote me on that. I'm just saying, I get what you mean. Like we are not in that giant big 10 fan base with, you know, Michigan has 400,000 alumni or whatever, and yeah. we have a lot, but it's not that, and it's not indoctrinated football people as much with Virginia Tech. Now, with that being said, we have a dedicated fan base, yeah. and that's one of the reasons we even got an athletic beat. Yes, And so it sucks that it's going away. I don't know if it's more of an indictment on our program or on the athletic for mismanaging and overextending and that kind of thing. Yes. But, um, whatever that's, that's what's happening. Hopefully Andy, I know Andy will land on his feet. Uh, but it is weird because you're right. We have been reading him for so long. Uh, I think he came over when, uh, we started swapping out like Leffler came in and stuff. Yes. I th- feel like I that's, that's the right. time period that he came in. Yeah. I think that sounds right. Uh, let's move on because we're and we got we got tons of stuff to get to, but we got a couple more guys in the portal. We'll address that in a second. The 2023 schedule got released. We'll talk about that a little bit. Me and you exchanged a few texts over the schedule, and then we'll get to Hokey Hoops, who had a brief resurgence and a big win over UVA a couple yeah. weeks back, but since then has taken a dive. Looks like we're going to have to win that ACC championship again in the ACC tournament in order to get into the dance. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's going to be, that's a tough, uh, that's a, uh, yeah, a tough push for, for us to try and get in there. So that's probably not going to happen in uh, back-to-back years. Yeah. You, you know, and I want to talk a little bit about that at the end of the podcast, but in the good news with regard to men's basketball, we got a commitment for the 2024 class four-star AJ Swinton from California. He's a composite four-star on two, four, seven, Goes to the same high school as Bronny James, which prompted the Diablo fan account tweet about Bronny James coming to Tech, which got aggregated and an article got written about it. Don't believe the articles about Bronny James coming to Virginia Tech. That was literally a joke that 
got turned into an article, which is just so freaking funny and just shows you where we're at in sports reporting. Mm-hmm. Um, he's numbered 105 nationally in the composite, a six foot five wing. I'm excited about this pickup. It, it's weird to have a kid from California come and attack, but hey, I'll take it across the country, uh, spreading spreading those wings. So um, I will I will take it. Uh, bring bring them far and wide. So I don't I don't know much about much about him other than um big dude and obviously another valuable asset for for the Hokies on the recruiting trail so um and given this season has been it's been bizarre let's put it it's that way it's it start you know, look at the results it's a bunch of wins early a ton of losses in the middle and then just like scatter shot of wins and losses to finish off uh finish off the season so anybody we can bring in and all the better for um for the future of the Hokies all right, let's get to the coaching news because I know everyone kind of wants to hear about that. We'll start with Brad Glenn, and he's going to Cincinnati, rejoining his old buddy, Scott Satterfield. That's the App State connection there. I feel like we're on the same page in terms of, okay, he had a decently good pedigree. Mm-hmm. It seemed like a good dude, but I'm not. I'm under the interpretation that you're not sad we're losing him necessarily. <laughs> no. Um, I'd like to take the time capsule back to like last season to get people's thoughts on the loss because it's hard to, it's hard to separate this and Rudolph, but I'll do my best there. There's a reaction always, especially after one year of losing a guy that somebody else is like, you know, taking your coach that it's just like this negative vitriol of just, Mm -hmm. you know, spewing hatred and i want i wonder if satterfield wasn't there if he would still go was he really just looking for the promotion um was right because um, he's going to be their offensive coordinator and i didn't i maybe i didn't say that but it is an upgrade in terms of title Mm -hmm. and he wasn't going to get that at virginia tech obviously um at least not yet um so uh, we'll find we'll find out in the future so it's it's tough. It I hadn't I hadn't seen enough to know either on the recruiting trail or and especially on the field to really know what we were getting with him. Mm-hmm. So for me to have some emotional tie to it is just very difficult. It's just like you know at least with Rudolph I had like some understanding of like his pedigree and what he did at Wisconsin and things like that. I so for me it's. It sucks, but I'd rather have it after one year than have it after like two and a half years or three years and find out it's working well, and then we're really actually, you know, really losing something tangible versus you know something speculative. Yeah, and with Glenn, we didn't hear much from him after he hyped up Grant Wells's accuracy preseason, saying he's the most accurate quarterback he's ever coached. He's the total package, and then Grant Wells kind of fell on his face. Yeah, and not only because of him, but the wide receiving core wasn't good, the offense wasn't good, the line sucked, all that stuff. But we have one year of Brad Glenn. Grant Wells was seemingly a decent quarterback at Marshall. He comes here and he stinks. So, listen, see you later. Like, I I just don't care. He's gone anyway. It doesn't matter what I think, but I'm not mad about it because we could afford a shakeup at the QB coaching position. Let's uh, let's talk about who we might hire because there's a lot of rumors flying around about maybe Streeter, formerly of Clemson, uh, Sinceri, who's 
at JMU. Uh, those are two of the bigger names, but or we could potentially promote from within. I know, I think it's Christ and Carpenter are two of the guys on our current staff that they're talking about could get the, uh, the promotion. And then there's a few lesser known outside names that are also being floated. I mean, Sinceri is a guy that I know some of the people I talk to would like to get and bring yeah. him over from JMU. They've had a lot of success down there. Mm-hmm. But uh, ultimately, we just need someone that works well with Tyler Bowen. Same page in terms of offensive style. Because whether it was Rudolph, Bowen, Glenn, there seemed to be kind of a mismatch of what we were doing. So Something was wrong there in, in one of those facets. And I... I l- the JMU move is interesting since um, Eric because he's already in state. He's already kind of you know knows the area. I mean that's that's benefit, um, and you know he comes from a smaller program. But let's be honest, the JMU is now a big is relatively a big time program. I mean they just had a really really nice year. Um, they jumped conferences. You know moved up. Uh, into the power it's five a pretty good conference too and moved yeah moved up into the power five and didn't miss a beat uh, uh in what they were doing and most people did not expect that everybody was like yeah we'll see what happens to jamie and now that they're jumping up and you know it was it was the same so uh, i think that would really be a nice move assuming that he he wants to come anybody coming from clemson i'm just he- hesitant of just in general uh i mean i mean Things have not gone well for two of their coaches that have have moved on from greater things. I think Clemson is just its own like animal, right? It is everybody, you know, works for Davo, and there it's like that whole tight knit community of like you know folks, tons of resources, and I, I just it's a whole different world for me. It's it's hard to judge. So, um, and then throw from within. Listen, I, I haven't heard it yet, but you just listened to the the TSL. If you feel like the culture is right, then maybe from within is not a bad idea. If you feel like we really have it um, going in the right direction, it's just going to take year, you know a few years, then and maybe that's the right move too. Yeah, it's tough to say, and I just hope it happens soon because we got spring practice coming in just a couple weeks here. So let's move on to the Joe Rudolph news. Like we said, Notre Dame, big paycheck. He's probably going to be the highest paid offensive line coach in the country. And if he's not number one, he's top three because he was already in the top five from us. Like, think about that. It opens up a huge salary on our staff. We were paying him, I think, $725,000 to be a, a position coach. So not that he wasn't worth it. It's just, well... It wasn't worth it for what we got out of it last year. He was worth it for the name and what we thought we were going to get. Um, And there was a lot of things at play with why it didn't go well for him and the offensive line last year. The main feeling I was seeing on Twitter was anger, basically. Like, he used us, we were a stepping stone, see you later, thanks for nothing kind of stuff. How do you interpret the in and out of Joe Rudolph at Virginia Tech? Um, he got an offer from Notre Dame and last year he did not get an offer from Notre Dame and that's it. That's, that's just that, that's what it is. It's not that hard. It just, this just, this comes back to 
our view of ourselves as the 1999 Virginia Tech team, and we're just we're, we're not. And um, it it maybe he got you and I were never able to put our fingerprints, our fingertips on what happened last year. Remember we 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 did yeah. a we did a talk about this. We went through it. I'm not going to rehash it, but we spent like 15 minutes going through. You know, does he does he have the good right you know scheme, but he doesn't have the right players? Does he you know have the right players, but he's like keeps you know moving them around, not having the right scheme? We couldn't figure out what was like really going on, given his track record and his pedigree and what he's done previously. So who knows? Maybe he came to Virginia Tech and he's like, I can't get the right type of offensive lineman ta- talent I need. They, I can grow them on a, you know trees up at Notre Dame, recruiting to them, and I'm gonna go go do that, take a bigger paycheck, and I'm done. Like you know, what I mean, it could have just been the cachet of it being Notre Dame. I, I I don't know, and honestly, I just don't care because again, th- th- like yes, there is a chance move rolling it forward that a year from now or two years from now he could been like the savior of our offensive line and, mm-hmm. you know, and this mm-hmm. offense in general and just re- have you, have you seen that? Because I didn't see that last year. So like, what am I really losing as a Virginia tech fan? The potential of somebody that could really turn this around in like a year or, or two years. Like, right. Why would I have any emotional tie to that whatsoever? Right. He got, an offer from a very good program. We already said he's going to be one of the best paid, if not the best paid guy. Like it's not an indictment on Virginia tech that he left. It is just how it went. I think he asked Brent Pry to come to Virginia tech. That was the way I interpreted it with the way Pry talked about it, that he approached Pry because of family in the area or whatever else. And so for him to come in and leave, like he got, you know, an offer he couldn't refuse, literally, because I think he would have stuck around if it wasn't maybe Notre Dame, who has a rich history, and especially a rich history, on the offensive line. Mm-hmm. And he probably could see the writing on the wall last year from Wisconsin, because we saw what happened up there with that blowing up and, you know, Fickle now being up there. Mm-hmm. So he wanted to get out a year early before that blew up. He came here, and now he's leaving for greener pastures. I understand the frustration because last year didn't go well. I don't think that was indicative of Joe Rudolph's skills mm-hmm. and his what he could eventually do, like you just said. Be that as it may, he is gone. And who could we get, right? Because we, we got a couple weeks to go here on the TSL podcast. One thing I thought was very interesting when Pry was talking about hiring an offensive line coach, he said, like, I'm always keeping a list. As soon as the news came down, which I guarantee you for Pry wasn't yesterday. I'm sure it was a week ago or more. He started making phone calls and he said that he's like, I've been on the phone calling people, trying to get someone in here to be the next offensive line coach. Some names that have been thrown around. You've got Todd Washington, Mm -hmm. who uh, maybe that name is being thrown around from him because I've seen him <laughs> talking on Twitter. Uh, former Hokies offensive lineman. He's been at NFL teams. He was most recently with the Jaguars, mm-hmm. who he was there for at least one year with Tyler Bowen, I think, in 2021. Correct. So there's a connection there. Herb Hand, mm-hmm. a former offensive line coach at Vandy and Penn State when Brent Pry was at those places. He's also coached at Auburn, Texas, and he's currently at UCF. A guy who coached offensive line at Penn State, I think, afterhand, Matt Limegrover. 
Now, Lime Grover, what do you think his ancestors did? <laughs> I don't know. Probably something with peaches. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so Matt Lime Grover is another name. And then, of course, Tyler Bowen, our very own. Could he move over to offensive line, open the door for someone to come in at tight ends? Uh, I saw Brian Steinspring's name on Twitter. Like that, that was a blast from the past, but like he was a tight ends coach for us. Maybe he comes back. He's got a connection to Pry. They like that's why Pry was on staff as a GA. Remember that story? Yes. Uh, cause Steinspring got him the job from Lexington high school. It's, it would come full circle if, uh, if Steinspring came back, I, I'm not thinking that's going to happen, but who knows? And, and whether I have an idea with the QB coach, I have even less of an idea with the offensive line coach and what's going to happen there. I, I will say Dwight Vick on Twitter, uh, was, was throwing out the, uh, Washington stuff, uh, mm-hmm. as, as, as well. Um, I don't know. I, I always find it hard to be that one makes almost too much sense um, in a lot of ways that I'm like, you know, the easier answer on this one is like probably I'm going to be way off. But that that seems given given a lot of connectivity, I think uh, could be could be interesting. Yeah. Another thing with regard to prize comments on the podcast. They asked him basically flat out, like, is this they didn't say, is it a good thing? But they basically hinted at like, is this a good thing to get rid of two coaches on a terrible offense and pry? And I'm paraphrasing and I'm, I'm kind of like ad libbing. So you get the idea, but pry said like, yeah, this is a chance to shake it up a little bit. And he understands the idea that (laughs) it wasn't good and that no, he didn't fire anyone. And some of our fans like, kind of got mad about that like hey you're not going to do anything maybe not like get a co-oc in here or something well now's the chance this is the shakeup. this is the chance to make sure whoever you hire at qb coach at offensive line coach works with what you want to do on that side of the ball with tyler bowen mm-hmm. I, w- I would love to go to an alternate universe where those folks stick around and people are pissed that they stuck around nobody got fired and <laughs> Another alternate universe where one of them got fired and see what people's reactions are. And then the alternate universe where two of them left. And uh, here we are uh, in, that, well, in that one. You're exactly right. Because I was thinking about that. It's like, we don't fire Brad Glenn. Well, then people are pissed that he's here. If we do fire Brad Glenn, people are pissed that he only hung out for one year. You know, <laughs> And same thing with Joe Rudolph. Like, you're never... You know, you're mad because the offensive line sucked at Joe Rudolph, but now that he leaves, you're mad that he left. So I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think that Pry has said and done all the right things with regard to the recruiting relationships and bringing in good people who like want to do right by Virginia Tech. And this is another chance to maybe right or wrong with regard to QB coach or offensive line coach. Because maybe the fact that Rudolph approached Pry it put him in a position where like, well, I'm not sure that fits exactly what we want to do, but it's Joe Rudolph. I'm yeah. not going to say no to that. Yeah. And there is perhaps a better fit for what Bowen wants to do yeah. potentially. So that's, that, um, that's a positive spin I'm putting on it. Hey, I'll, I'll take any positivity I can get. So let's, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm here for it. Yeah, let's go with that. Transfer portal. I want to talk about linebacker Stone Snyder. We're bringing him in from VMI. He is a three-time All-American in FCS. And I don't mean that's first-team All-American every time, but he's been on the All-America team three times. So 
tons of tackles, 107 tackles just last year, which was fourth in all of FCS. Uh, and that he didn't even play as many games as some other guys. Five games in his career of over 17 tackles in a game. Like, the dude is a tackling machine. I can't wait to see this kid. That, that is – when was the last time you saw a stat line from, like, a Virginia Tech player that had 17 tackles in a game? I don't think I've ever there, seen it. Well, so this is random because it made me think of the same thing. Remember the kid Rico Kearney? He only yes. played for us for like two years. Absolutely. He had 17 tackles in a Boston College game filling in for Ashby. Yeah. Some, something like that. I have to go back and look, but he had an absolute ton of tackles one game. But no, that does not happen often. And even though he's FCS, the accolades are there. The tackling numbers are there, which just means you're showing great effort. You're yeah. you're getting you got a nose for the football, and I think he's going to make an impact for us. Yeah, at a position where there's been there's been a little bit of change, and one that I think we can we could definitely use. Um, yeah, the, the, any amount of even on a squad like VMI, in order to get that amount of productivity, you just have to have a motor, just like the whole time. Yeah. I mean, I don't care about lesser talent. I don't care about any of those things. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. So, um, that speaks volumes for him, and, um, I'm happy to see it. I think it's a, I think it's a position and a nice fill in. Um, you know, we talked a lot about the wide receivers. We have not talked as much about the defensive side and, and here are, you know, one and another guy that we're about to talk about, um, as well coming in. Um, so I think it's good. Yeah, and I think Stone immediately jumps into the top five names on the team. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Ho- Hokey Stone Snyder. Yeah, I mean, he gets a free Hokey Stone helmet as soon as he comes in. It's just you know, he gets a throwback. Yeah, that is that is nice. That's a sweet yeah, it's name. A, it's fantastic. Uh, next guy we're going to talk about is defensive end James Jeanette. He is a JUCO kid, so I don't know if that's technically portal or technically regular recruiting, but it doesn't matter. He's from College of the Canyons, but he was at William and Mary before that. Six foot five, two twenty-five, has some room to put some weight on that frame. Number one JUCO edge rusher on two four seven. Now some people call that ranking paper thin, but hey, number one is number one. I'll like I'm not going to complain. We need defensive pass rushers more than just about anything else. So bring him in. It looks like a project to me, but. I've heard some rumblings that he could make an immediate impact. That's that's something that I saw on on a message board or two out there. He's just got to put some weight on. Yeah, he's well, he needs to put some weight on, but yeah. And I know they're they're tied together and that weight you know matters, but the edge rushing is really where we we need to, you know, that's something you and I have talked about a lot. Um is really getting pressure off the off the edge. So if he's quick and he's shifty, he's got good hands to to, to shake blocks, then uh I'm all for it. And you know, he's gonna need some weight. And College of the Canyons I was actually familiar with because that came up on uh College Football Inquirer. Um, yeah. During one of their stupid segments, um, they got into it because something happened at College of the Canyons, and they started going into some rant about like why do they think they own like the canyons and like all of that. So, <laughs> I know nobody has heard of College of Canyons except for probably me because I'm a degenerate that listens to uh, College Football Inquirer, and they like talked about it. They for, go off on some crazy tangents yes, on that, including show. <laughs> College of Canyons. All right, before we get to our winter workout notes and a little bit more of our spring practice preview. I want to take a moment to talk about our sponsor. The two deep Hokies under the influence podcast is brought to you by prize picks. 
PrizePix is the only daily fantasy app that allows you to make plays with our very own Hokies players. Ever want to get some action on Sean Padula's assist or maybe Justin Mutz's rebounds? You can do that with PrizePix. Download the app today and use code MEMORYLANE for a deposit match up to $100. That's MEMORYLANE, all one word, and you'll get that deposit match up to $100. PrizePix, daily fantasy made easy. All right, Robbie, so now I need to know what you're drinking over there. This is actually all true. I'm just putting this up on the fly. Um, I canceled my subscription to The Athletic because obviously Bitter is now gone. So, you know, there, take that, uh, The Athletic. There's, There you go. And I was paying full price, too. So that, that's a real big ding. I wasn't on the promo uh, rate. <laughs> right, me uh, either. Yeah. So, uh, and I actually joined a subscription to Athletic Brewing Company. Um, <laughs> this is all true. I'm not making this up. And I'm drinking Athletic Brewing Company Irish Dry, uh, Emerald Cliffs. The reason that I did that is because when we started rolling through and got like past January in the stores, it's very hard to get any of the non-alcoholic stouts. Like they all immediately Mm. just go to what everybody drinks, which is like IPAs and stuff like that. Um, No, you can't find a non-alcoholic stout anywhere. So uh, but if you go online and join and like buy off of the website, you can buy from all year round from the athletic uh, or from Athletic Brewing Company um, stouts. So this is an Irish dry, um, uh, and I have like two other different types of um, darker beers from them, and it's it's fantastic. It is very good. Okay. The stuff that you can get on the website. Um, they roll out like new test beers, all sorts of stuff. Uh, so if anybody's drinking non-alcoholic, probably gone on too long about it. Check out Athletic Brewing's site, not necessarily what they have in the stores. Two quick hitters. Does How dry is it? Does it taste like a normal Guinness? Is it drier or less dry than a normal Guinness? It is not as dry as a normal Guinness. Um, normal Guinness has like almost, there's like nothing there. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, it's it, very dry. It, yeah. yep. So, um, but it not as dry as a, a normal Guinness. All right. Number two, have you tried the Guinness 0.0? I have. This is better. How is that? This is, this is better um, only because um, the, Taking out a Guinness has almost no alcohol in it from the beginning, right? Like it has almost nothing in it, and it needs almost every every percentage point of that alcohol because there's almost nothing there on a Guinness. I mean, it's like drinking—I don't even know—it's like drinking coffee, right? Like it's like great, but there's like nothing, nothing there. There's no bite to it. There's no alcohol hit from it. So then, when you take all of it out from like the zero point zero Guinness. Mm-hmm. you're just drinking, it's like drinking coffee with no caffeine in it. It's like, it's just, you know, there's there's nothing. So I, I like it, but I can only like have one and then like your mouth just is like, man, this is not really, not really doing it for me. This is better. Okay. Yeah. I'd like to hear that. Yeah. I'll have to try that one. I love, I love stouts, especially this time of year, but all year round, I enjoy a stout. I'm drinking the Powder Day IPA from Sierra Nevada. I was joking with Rob that, we haven't gotten any snow this year. We did get a little bit of flurries the other day in D.C. and New Jersey, um, I guess on this past weekend, but no substantial snows. I don't know how it's been for the skiers out there. I assume the mountains have some snow and there are people are getting out. I think you went on a ski trip recently, didn't you? I did. Yeah, we went to uh, we went to Wisp, so it was good. Nice. Yeah. But this Powder Day IPA is very good. It is a double dry hopped 7.7%. And it's very traditional. Like, 
you can see through it. It's got kind of like a light copper color and it's a little bitter, just like a normal traditional American IPA. Forget the haze. That's not there. This is a normal IPA, but the bite isn't bad, Mm -hmm. especially with a 7.7, man. I really like this beer. If you are into traditionals and non-hazy IPAs, I would highly recommend the Powder Day IPA from Sierra Nevada. That sounds perfect for exactly what it is for like the ski slopes and stuff like that. Like, yeah, you, for some reason, like a hazy and anything like that doesn't seem to go very well with, um, like snowboarding, skiing, winter events, but like a traditional kind of just regular IPA seems perfect. Yeah. You need some of that bite. I think when you're on the slopes, Mm -hmm. warms you up. Let's talk about the new media friendly coaching staff that we have here because (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Wit went on the TSL pod. Uh, he's It was actually his second time on. Marv, he was on the Sons of Saturday podcast this past week. Uh, so that was cool to hear from him because I haven't really gotten a chance to. Pry went on TSL, as we've already talked about. And Pry was also on the Level 7 podcast with Bill Roth and Mike Burnup. And Fontel Mines is going to be on the Boundary Corner podcast next week. Boundary Corner had Caden Moore on this past week. So... Guys are getting out there. They've they've been instructed like, hey, don't say no to anything. Prize talked about that. Like, I'm doing every interview, you know, from yeah. the major outlets. Yeah, um, <laughs> from the major outlets. <laughs> but he's doing them. And to his credit, like, they are media friendly. They want to be the most media friendly coaching staff in the country. And, and they're succeeding. And my immediate takeaways just from the both of the Pry interviews that I listened to were that he really gets it. And that's something that I, I talked to you about. And, and we talked about this from the interviews he did over the summer. Like he seems to really understand what it takes to run a successful program in 2023 and what it t- takes to do that at Virginia Tech specifically with regard to the in-state recruiting, the footprint recruiting, and the way they're doing these coaching clinics in Nova, in Richmond, uh, in Charlotte, you know, places that are close to Blacksburg and He emphasized a couple times that recruiting the state in the footprint really starts with those high school coaches. And that's why he wanted to get as many staffers as he could to those cities I talked about. And uh, Chris Coleman even kind of called me. He's like, you didn't go to the 757 this year. And he's like, well, we can't, we literally just run out of time. Mm -hmm. Like we can't go to every area every year. He's like, most likely we'll be in 757 next year Mm -hmm. and we'll do another. But I guarantee you, they hit Richmond again next year yeah. because that is an extremely important recruiting ground this day and age. And it's been talked about by all kinds of different places like the seven, five, seven, while still rich with talent, it's not as rich as the growing Richmond area as the growing Charlotte area. Yeah. Just given the you know population growth uh, in those two um, areas. And I don't know in this day and age, whether the grassroots in-state recruiting methodology can get you to a top 15 program to a top program on its on its own right i'm i don't know that it is is possible given nil what's happened with the money given you know how quickly kids are moving program to program those sorts of things however it's the only tool that like we really have right in, in our location and our geography, right? We're right. We have not, we are not going to wake up tomorrow and then all of a sudden have an absolute boatload of NIL money or, you know, our prestige back and all those sorts of things. So 
I, um, I applaud the effort because we might as well try. Like we might as well see if we can make it work. Not again, and it's not. We're not harking back necessarily to the Beamer days or anything like that. But it's like, can you, you know, kind of build it from the grassroots relationships with the high school coaches, get them talking good about Virginia Tech as a young program, supplement that with the NIL money, and see what you can make of it. Would I would much rather us, you know, go down trying, you know, for lack of a better phrase, trying to make that work because. The alternative of just trying to do it through NIL for Virginia Tech, I think, is going to be tough. Yeah, and I think it works. It does actually have tangible advantages for a couple of reasons. One, there's a lot of talent in the state of Virginia. It's one of the most talent-rich states coming down from the north. Like that's where it starts, right? Like that, that Maryland, DMV, yes, mm-hmm. and then Virginia. And there's a reason why Georgia wins a national championship. They have the most D1 football players of any state out there. Yep. So, like, it will translate. If we could keep the guys that are going to Penn State, going to Ohio State, going to Georgia, whatever, and keep them at Tech as these relationships get better, hey, that's that's going to be good. I understand what you're saying. Like, d- does, does a wall around the state really work anymore? We'll see. But what it does do is prevent some of the crap that we had happen under Fuente where guys, they're not from there. They have no allegiance to the school, their parents, their grandparents, no one ever knew about tech. They end up coming here from, you know, Texas or Missouri or whatever. And then they transfer the first chance they get because it never felt like home to begin with when times get tough. If you're from the state, if you're from three hours away, I think there's a much greater chance you stick it out if there's a tough time. Yeah. That's that's the benefit. I agree. And it puts you on equal footing. I mean, if we we are making strides on the NIL side of things, it's continuing to improve. And at least if you can match an offer or get close to matching an offer with a kid and you've built it this way, and you've done the right things with the coaches and got in front of the you know the players early, all those sorts of things, and and built that up, then the coin flip's going to go your way versus mm-hmm. another program if you've done those things right. So yeah, I agree. Um, it's it's it really does. It starts there, and it'll pay it'll pay dividends no matter what. And that may only be three kids, but that three those three kids may end up be the difference between. You know, an eight-win season and a five-win season, right? Yeah. You know, over a period I of mean, time. that's that's really what this comes down to is like, Pry can say all the right things, he can do all the right things, but it, it comes down to him getting a little bit lucky too, right? Like you win one or two extra recruiting battles. Two more of the guys you recruit end up being knockout starters, you know, like that. And if you hit on 20 out of 26 guys in one recruiting class, You've just changed the whole future of your program just by getting a little bit lucky. Mm-hmm. And so he he needs some of that luck, and we need some of that luck to turn around. It's just like on the field when, like, you need a couple extra turnovers. You need a couple fourth down stops. You know, the, these little things, they add up to a win, which then adds up to another win, which now you have a good season, and you build, and you build, and you build. So, yeah, we need some things to go our way. But as long as you're putting yourself in the position like they're doing – Things will go your way eventually. Yeah, and um, and I just wanted to hit on one thing that you said sure. because it's it's relevant. It does not take much. It takes a single season, one season, 
to really have almost a half a decade of impact on your program. Look at what happened with Washington. They, they that has faded, but that carried for almost five or six years after they made the playoff. You know, them being, you know, that helped their mm-hmm. ranking, their cachet, all those things. Cincinnati is going to benefit from making that playoff, like for that they already just did. They just took one of our coaches, right? <laughs> and they're joining a Power Five conference. Yeah. And they still probably have another three to four years of kind of clout that has been gained by doing that. So um, there's a lot of talk constantly of like, I want to get back to the old Virginia Tech programs. Let's do it, like be able to do it every year. I I just want the stars to align for us for one season. That's all I need. And if he's doing the right things early and improving his luck, then, you know, when when that luck hits, if he can take advantage of it, you just need that one, like, really decent season, right? Get to the ACC, now, you know, get to championship, that sort of thing, and you can build off of it from there. Um, we just, we haven't had that, we haven't had a season like that in a while. Yeah, absolutely. Some of his other comments on Level 7, he was talking about how much better the team just looks, and that was regarding literal physical appearance of the guys during workouts the the competition being better at all the positions the fact that there's less question marks both culturally and play wise on the roster which he's just basically talking about better depth and because he's been around for a year the guys who wanted to transfer they've transferred the guys who wanted to just quit they quit and now you've got you've kind of weeded out people who know pry know the staff and know what to, they expect. Well, well, they're here now and they want to compete. And we just brought in mm-hmm. those seven transfers. He talked about 17 scholarship players that were new for spring, wow. including the transfers. That's, that's, you know, the early enrollees out of high school and the transfers, and then an additional five preferred walk-ons. So we're talking about 22 new guys into that locker room. And with the transfers, like, those guys were good, right? Mm-hmm. They they came here because we wanted them here. Derek Canteen and Ali Jennings and so on and so forth. That's going to raise that level of competition, something that, that he stressed. Um, let's move on to just – this is actual position change. Jalen Jones, former wide receiver, he's moved to safety. I saw P.J. Prelu at running back. I'm not sure where P.J. Prelu – I thought he was a DB before. Yeah, I'm but pretty sure he was, yeah. He I, was, but, like, if you looked at the winter workout, like, warrior pictures, mm-hmm. he won one of the weeks, and it said running back. Interesting. So, hmm. I, I don't know. He's listed at 165. Oh, wow. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that means he was a DB. But if he's going to be a running back, he's going to have to get, get those legs up. <laughs> I'm not far from that, so I'm thinking about going back to college. So, uh, you know, let's, uh, that, that, is, that is light. Some other notes from the winter workouts. Cole Nelson and Jordan McDonald are both with the ones mm-hmm. at defensive end. I thought that was a little bit interesting. No mm-hmm. C.J. McCray there, but I think McCray's tailing him. And on TSL, Pry said McDonald might be the best pass rusher of anyone on the roster. Really? Yeah, I did not. Uh, I did not listen to that, so I would, I would find that interesting. I, I, 
it's hard for me. I, I feel like I've been burned from all the early season um, hype up of players that I'm 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 not going to pay too much attention to it. But that is a little bit surprising for me. I, and yeah, I don't know if that's surprising or scary. So let's put it that way. Yeah, the hype definitely got to us a bit last year because we were hearing about Dwayne Lofton, we were hearing about Grant Wells. There was a couple other guys that they were talking about. Ke- oh, Keller, right? Yes. None <laughs> of those guys really did much, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah, Wells played the whole season, but he didn't live up to what Brad Glenn sent, as we indicated before. So, yeah, we'll wait and see. But with the McDonald twins, mm-hmm. Pry was commenting on, like, physically, those guys are monsters. Mm-hmm. And that if it does click for Jordan or Jaden, uh, they they could be real impact players. He talked about Jaden potentially being the starting Mike. Wow. And how him and Tisdale are going to be battling that out. And that's interesting because Tisdale's always been backer yep. and hasn't really had the size to be a Mike. He's had good quickness, but we've always kind of been waiting for Tisdale to pack on that weight. Um, so that that battle is something to watch for this spring. Who comes out as the starting Mike? Because you got Will Johnson there too, mm-hmm. but Snyder's not here yet. Yep. And I think Snyder's going to have something to say about the starting Mike position when he gets here in the fall. I mean, it'll make for some good competition between all those guys. Yeah. Kelly Lawson's been mentioned a bunch of times, various outlets. Marv put out the big thing of he's got NFL potential. Wow. And so once you you start hearing that and you see the frame that Kelly Lawson has Mm -hmm. and they keep saying he's putting on masks – or as Mac from Always Sunny would say, cultivating Mac. He's cultivating it. <laughs> uh, he's he's going to be serious. Now. I'm, I'm excited about that linebacking core. Yeah. Like with the addition of Snyder. So let's say we got all our guys in the fall, right? Mm-hmm. That's a really deep room, even despite losing Dax. Yeah. That's Tisdale Jenkins, who's been the starting Sam now for a little bit. Snyder, they all have a ton of experience. And then you add Lawson the potential of McDonald, the potential of Keller, and then Will Johnson, J.R. Walker, Matt Johnson. Matt Johnson's a guy who was injured most of last year, and he might eat. I don't think he's on scholarship. I'm not even sure. But he's won this Hokie Warrior thing twice wow. for the linebacker position in, in four weeks. So maybe he'll have something to say about it too. Yeah, and I think we all, looking back, we all, I think, were – relatively honest with ourselves about what Dax was good at and what Dax wasn't. Um, so I, I'm excited to see who fills in there um, because it took Dax a long time to even get to what we saw last season. I mean, the season before that, it was, you know, we were like, okay, this it's not always there. We had the bad angles, missed tackle, you know, a lot of that stuff that we talked about. So I, I'm interested to see how that shakes out and what, what, um, what we can do with a different, you know, body in there or set of bodies with some competition. Other guys who have stood out, Derek Canteen. He has been just everyone's probably called him one of his favorites. Hmm. And so he's the corner came in from Georgia state. I want to say, but he's either going to be nickel or an outside starting corner. You're going to pair him with strong and Mansoor Delane and, if we can keep health, those three guys, in addition to Stroman and Peoples in the back, that is a very good starting defensive backcourt. Like, I know we lost Jamari Connor. Yeah. And so one of the positions of debate, is it better or worse than last year? 
would be safety. Mm-hmm. But overall, with the addition of Canteen, I think the DBs are will no doubt be an improvement getting strong back healthy. Yeah, I would agree. And if if that ends up being the case, you're setting yourself up for, we'll see what the line ends up looking like, but if you can get that type of competition and talent at, at the middle and the back, that's a pretty good starting place for the defense for 2023, I think. Definitely. And Derek Canteen, three-time winner of the Hokie Workout Warrior. So he's he's proving it. And Price said he's leading by example. Like he's getting into the workouts. He ain't saying much, and he's just killing them. Yeah. And so that's really good to hear from a defense that even though they were the better side of the ball, they could use some leaders. They've got him listed at 5'11". 194 pounds. So if he's, I mean, at his position, I don't even know what he would, what's he going to get to if he's, if he's winning all those workouts, I'd love to see what, I mean, he's already thick. Yeah. Like almost 200 pounds for 5'11". Yeah. Yeah, For 5'11". And at that position, I mean, he's going to rip somebody's head off. I hope he, yeah, (laughs) it could be good though. Cause if he's, if he's nickel, like, and that's kind of our nickel whip, kind of position yeah. like he can pack a punch too mm-hmm. and so that would be that could fit perfectly into that role well we could yeah hark back to the old days of uh some <laughs> some tough hits from that position so that would be nice definitely some other names christian moss someone that came to pry right as the season was ended and Pry said he thought he was going to quit really and instead he said no coach like what can i do to get better i'm here i'm dedicated and Pry basically said show me and and he, he won a workout warrior award, and he's looking really good, according to Price. Said he can run. He's got the strength. Um, so that was good to hear. Offensive linemen, Parker Clements, Chaplin, Garrett, Dixon, they've all gotten some nice, some nice pats on the back. Something we learned about Parker Clements is that he was dealing with a torn meniscus mm. and couldn't lift for 16 weeks, like leading up to and into the season. And so – that was a guy that French talked about, like mm-hmm. pegged, hey, this kid's going to be the real deal. And then he was a dud last year. Yeah. Well, he couldn't lift. He had no strength starting the season. That's why at the end of the year, he was playing so much better. I found that very interesting. Yeah, that is, that's news. I hadn't heard that. Um, makes a lot of sense in hindsight, though, because he was on a pretty nice trajectory anyway. Yeah, so hopefully we'll get him back. Chaplin and Schick. Uh, two guys that were talked about, Schick being kind of like that swing tackle. Mm-hmm. They've been increasing their conditioning quite a bit. They've been putting up nice numbers this winter. And Ganim, the only four-star recruit in our class, has gotten some nice praise on his quickness. That stood out, and he's going to start at tackle as well. So whether it's Meadows or Chaplin, Schick, Garrett, like we've, we'll have options at tackle. I'm not sure how good the options will be, but significantly more – and more athletic options than last year. So that's that's a good thing moving forward. Caden Moore is going to be playing center this upcoming fall. And Andy Bitter's last article that he put out was basically like about Joe Rudolph and the offensive line, oh, which is just kind of really? funny. Yeah, and how Joe was kind of telling Caden, like hinting at him, like, hey, you might want to move to center, like trying to make it Caden's idea. <laughs> And now Caden is fully behind it because he he's been ready to go since he got to Tech. Like Caden has been a guy they've targeted as a guard initially, and now he's going to move to center. And I love him taking over for Johnny Jordan. 
Um, I think that'll be a positive mood move. And like I said, he was on boundary corner last week. It's something you guys should check out. Jack Hollifield will be backing him up at center. He's another option there. And I think that's just about it. I got two more on the wide receivers here. Gosnell, Mm -hmm. he has lost some weight. He's back around 200 pounds and looks quicker, according to Fontel Mines. And Tucker Holloway continues to stand out and looks like he will have an impact for us next year. It's going to be harder, though. With those guys coming in at wide receiver, yeah. the guys like Tucker Holloway and Gosnell, like who was a transfer last year, they got to step up their game. Well, that that's the whole point. That's the, that's the reason that you get, you know, that you want to elevate the talent so then everybody has to feel the pressure and catch up. Or if they want to see the field at all, then you got to really elevate your game. That is... Um, that's the exciting part is, and if they don't see the field, then, you know, they got passed by, by guys can transfer right. in and that's, that's all the better. And if, it's if nothing else, that. yeah, you've elevated your backups up a little, you know, a notch or two because they're trying to keep up with guys like, um, with Allie Jennings and, and those folks. Yeah. And I'm, whether it's Jalen Lane, Allie Jennings, Felton, and then, guys who started to come up in the ranks as, as a Tucker Holloway and maybe a Dwayne Lofton and uh, who's Dallin Wright who missed the whole year yes. because of an injury. Yeah. We got 14 wide receivers on this roster going in, including the true freshmen that are coming in. Someone is going to be there and play well. Like I, if you're asking me and we kind of discuss this, Allie Jennings is better than Caleb Smith. So yes. that's a good place to start. Smith was good and I wish we still had him. But Ali Jennings is a better wide receiver. Yes. He was top five in the country in yards per game last year at ODU with no quarterback. Yeah. So he, he can play. Um, I can't wait to see what that receiving core with the build-out depth will do next year with someone like maybe to Chiron Drones throwing to him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's – if if we can get them the ball. Uh, yeah. If we can't, then we'll do it with short routes and let those guys make some uh, – uh, they can get their yak in. I like it. Before we get to the schedule, let's talk about the next game on the schedule, which is the spring game. Yeah. I I'm going, man. Are you? Yeah. Uh, I'm finally going. I I my wife is out of town that weekend. She's going to New York with some girlfriends, and I just was like, whether I'm by myself or not, like I'm going down. I think Joe's going to go with me. Interesting. Um yeah, um, what are you what are you up to that weekend? I don't know. I'm I might have to make that happen now. Um let me let me look at that and run it by the uh, yeah run it by the significant. I got other. an Airbnb, so just uh, let me know. Because mm, um, you and I have never, um, well, first of all, like you, know, I don't think we've been to a game together in, in ages. But uh, you and I have never been to a spring game together. No, not together. Yeah. No, that I haven't. I don't think I've been to a spring game since I was in school. Yeah, it's been, <laughs> I really don't. Um, but I am going to. I'm going to look into it now. April, okay, yeah, April fifteenth. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I have anything going on, so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm down. Yeah, keep me posted, man. The the Airbnb is walking distance to Tots. Oh well, that, that that's <laughs> the Tots. The allure of Tots for me is missing, uh, is missing the rail. So uh, yeah, <laughs> that is, that is another uh, that is another uh, <laughs> delicacy out there that would be very very bad without any alcohol in it. Let's just put it yeah. that way. Just yeah, well, that's true. That's true. Hopefully, yeah. What is what do people eat at Tots? I'm not sure I've ever had a meal there. <laughs> I don't know, but it's not good. It can't be. <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, let's talk about this schedule. It's got a bit of an 
old Big East flavor to it when you look at Rutgers and Pitt and Syracuse and BC. Even Louisville used to be in the Big East at one point. Yes. <laughs> not not when we were in it, but um, kind of a funny schedule. Two Big Ten opponents back-to-back in September with Purdue and Rutgers. Yep. Marshall at Marshall, I should say, yeah. on 923. Not going to be a very easy game. They were a decent team last year. No. Uh, and then the ACC slate gets started. What stands out to you? You're a season ticket holder. What stands out to you about this? What stands out to me? Um, I. It's hard not to look at that. That Rutgers Purdue back to back just looks so uh, so weird. Um, I would say the finishing slate for Virginia Tech looks awesome. So with you know Pitt going, then you like. I'm going, you know, home and away. So I'm not thinking mm-hmm. about home schedule. So you go Pitt, Florida State, Wake Forest, Syracuse, Louisville, BC. I, I think it I think it looks nice. And then you got NC State and Virginia. If 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 NC State was is good, Louisville gets their act, you know, they started to improve a bit last year. Wake Forest has been, you know, doing well and a decent Florida State team. And then Pitt's always trouble. It's a tough back end of the schedule is probably the best way to um that florida state game is going to be difficult yes yes (laughs) down in tallahassee a team that is the hot team right to maybe upset clemson next year for the title yeah i think that's i think they 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 were trending towards it last year to be um very competitive and clemson was going the opposite direction so i think that's um yeah i would be I'll be surprised who gives, you know, how many first place votes they get um, when it comes to ACC media days. Yeah, me too. No Miami Mm -hmm. is something that stood out to me. Mm -hmm. And obviously that's been much talked about. They're not part of our pod pairing is whatever you want to call it. Um, It's weird. And it's weird to have four Atlantic teams Mm -hmm. on the schedule, right? FSU, Louisville, BC, and NC State Mm -hmm. all on the schedule. We've never played four Atlantic teams in one season, mm-hmm. unless maybe it was a uh, ACC title game, but I still don't think so. Yeah. Um, Pitt early in Lane Stadium. We haven't played Pitt like in September, forever. Ever like it's, almost, know, like it's almost always towards the tail end of the season. Yeah, that's weird. We got a Thursday night game, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Q's coming to town, ten twenty six. That's a bit of a throwback as well. Should be a winnable game in theory. Yes. Uh, three out of the last four on the road. So I don't love that. Yeah. The only game that's at home in the last four games is NC State, and they could be a solid team. Yep. I know they're losing some guys, like, but they just gained Brennan Armstrong in mm-hmm. their quarterback. And so think about the marquee game for us at home. That's the one thing that there's not really yeah. like, oh, that's the big one. Mm. Is it Pitt? Is it NC State? Yeah. Is it Q's? Like, there's not really a good answer there. I would have liked it. The schedule probably would have been ideal for me if I would have liked to have gotten either Florida State or Louisville in um, at home. That would have been awesome. Yeah. That 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 really would have made it for me. Um, the last time we played Florida State was in Tallahassee. Um, yes. So we're playing them again in Tallahassee, which kind of sucks. Like I was hope like that would have been awesome to get in, in lane. Yeah. Because of all the new like scheduling stuff, like they, it, it's not like we're getting repaid back Correct. or whatever. It's just like all new. Yeah. So that kind of is a bummer. So I would have liked to get one of those two teams, which I feel, 
I don't even know. Has Louisville even ever played in Blacksburg um, since like the way back when? I don't in the ACC. I don't think no, so. No, they've never even played, and I don't think Florida State has not had a game in Blacksburg. In, it's been a while. It's been it's must it's probably been ten years. Oh, it was twenty thirteen. Do you remember that one? Yeah, it's been ten years. When we lost at the, like the last second. Yeah, it's been a decade since they've been in. Um, it's been in Blacksburg. So anyway, those are my probably my big two um, kind of misses on it. Um, what I like most. And we already had, uh, you know, the NC State we just had in, in Blacksburg, what, two years ago or something like that. Um, so it's a little bit of a bummer, I guess, looking at it this way. But it starts very winnable. and uh, Four straight non-conference games. We don't have that first ACC game to, like, lead off the season kind of thing. Yeah. And um, it, we quickly get into the teeth of it with uh, Pitt and uh, Florida State. And so that's that's going to be... It's gonna be kind of. I think the marquee game at home has to be Pitt. Like yeah. it, that's it's a good team. It's a team that always gives us hell. They just ran for a million yards on us last year. That game being at home, coming off some winnable non-conference games, like that could be a really big game for this program. Yeah, we could put a shot across the bow of like, hey, we're we beat Pitt at home. We're gonna compete for this this thing. I'm trying to sell it here, but like I think that could be a really pivotal game for this program. The real thing that everybody's wondering is, are you heading to Piscataway? Oh, definitely. You're, yes. You're... that's. I have a cousin or two, two cousins that went to Rutgers. Um, I know Billy Ray and Pat are Jersey people, so they're going to be up here. Uh, I invited you to come up, yep. stay at the house, whatever, that weekend. Um, September 16th in Piscataway is going to be... It's gonna be a bomb. It's gonna be. It's gonna, gonna be lit. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be lit. It's. I think we're gonna to try to do some kind of live podcast and and whatnot uh, up there. So hopefully you're there to provide your your voice for that. Um, I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm excited. I I I don't know. I don't know what to expect with the atmosphere for a Rutgers game. <laughs> yeah, I think tickets will be easy to come. By. Yeah, let's let's. It's gonna be a lot of. That's not that bad of a drive, so that that's gonna be a lot of hookies there. Yeah, no, there should be, and in that in the Philly Jersey area, there are tons, tons of hookies. My whole neighborhood, like you drive around my town, it's a Jersey South Jersey town. Like there's VTs on so many cars, like it is unbelievable. So yeah, there's gonna be a lot of hookies in New Jersey that weekend for sure. Rutgers better not pick this year to be like a do a Rutgers. <laughs> You, you, Shiano year three. Yeah, Shiano re- year three. Oh no, this this has gotten. I uh, I just thought about that. That could this could get ugly. Oh no. <laughs> I, you know, they they weren't a great team last year. They're feisty, right? Mm-hmm. And they know that. Um, you know, Pry and Shiano, I think like have similar ideals and styles, and so that that could be a little bit interesting. But we got to get that win. Oh my, we, we have to get that win. Jeez, oh, this could be. It's going to be interesting. Um, let's close out with some basketball stuff. No, the basketball team hasn't been playing well. 16 and 13, 6 and 12 in the ACC. They're actually playing Louisville right now. I don't mean, I haven't even looked at the score. Louisville, as you guys know, is a terrible team this year, but you never know. We're on the road. We're up by 12 mm. with 15 minutes left. So that that's a good sign. Finish it strong. Yeah. 
Come on, guys. Dude, the Rodney Rice thing, and I wanted to talk about this. He came back against Miami mm-hmm. from the finger injury or whatever. Zero points in the Miami game, but he scored 11 in Cameron against Duke. Mm-hmm. Uh, three threes, two steals, two assists, and two rebounds, and all around great stat line for a freshman in his second game. He's got he's our second leading scorer tonight. Wow. No other stats listed, but um, that's nice. Justin Mutz, 10 rebounds in this game tonight. Is he fully healthy with the finger, or is it like mostly healthy? I think he's I think he's good. Okay. I think uh, Rice is good. Yes. Right. Um. This season has been so strange, and like at times, even recently, Basili has been playing great, right? And then he'll kind of have a dud game, and Padula, kind of good game, take a step back game. Mutz, he's generally pretty consistent, but it always has that like little bit of a crucial turnover at the wrong time kind of thing going on. This team is like just a little bit of chemistry from being one of the better teams in the ACC. Like it I don't know whether it was the Couture injury that threw them off or maybe they don't have enough guards. I, I'm not sure what it is cuz none of the individual statistics are terrible, mm-hmm. right? But they just there's something lacking in you go into the game you're watching, there's these droughts, there's these weird parts of the game. The chemistry is just off. The mojo is off. Yeah, they just go cold. It's and you remember um, was it last season and the season before we talked about the team and how they like they they never really got the moment was never too big for them and those sorts of things and mm-hmm. it seems like this team does not have that that the moment is too big and they like it they they suffer from the mental ills of basketball that last year's team and the team the year before that did not suffer from that. Right. Like they didn't, those teams did not really care that they had just, you know, lost three straight. Um, and it, it didn't, it didn't really matter. Every game was its own, you know, its own battle. And I think there's, there's some mental aspects of this team that I think are not coalescing. Yeah. And the BC and GT losses at home were just, that's what you're talking about, right? Yeah. Like those were inexcusable. Yeah. Like you, you cannot lose to those teams at home. They are not good basketball teams, and not really well coached teams. And you just shouldn't lose to them at home. Then, then they go and beat Pitt, right? Like in between <laughs> those two losses, who's one of the better teams in the ACC. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But that all leads me to the point of this team has kept it close and played competitive basketball in just about every game this year. Every loss, they have been right there outside of maybe two games. And to me, we're deeper, as deep as we've been all year. I know Maddox is gone. He's dealing with that family issue. It's still keeping him out. I wouldn't even doubt that we've probably seen Maddox in a tech uniform for the last time ever. It, I Something's just off about that whole situation. But Rice being back gives you that wing guard mm-hmm. that just resets the playing field for the depth that we started the beginning of the year at. And if we could catch lightning in a bottle, there's no reason we can't be ACC champs again in the tournament. I mean, the the problem that we have is that we're going to have to play every day from the beginning of the tournament and that you're just going to be worn the hell out by the time you get to the end. But we've beaten UVA. We've beaten Duke, who's playing really good basketball right now, on a neutral site 
at a neutral site where this is going to take place, there's no reason we couldn't win the title if we play our best basketball. Yeah. Like we we are just as good at our best as Clemson, as Pitt, as Duke, mm-hmm. as UVA, UNC, whatever. We've beaten mm-hmm. almost all those teams I just named. So it's possible. It's it's extremely unlikely, but hey, maybe the chemistry comes together. Yeah. Like we we're playing Louisville tonight, get that win. We're playing Florida State in a couple days. They're not a very good team. Win that game. Yeah. Build upon yourself and see what happens in the tournament. I'd be a little bit worried about Miami. They've kind of got our number right now. Um, yeah, Miami's good. Yeah, that that would be that'd be tough. My concern, uh, Pete, and the reason I said I think it's highly unlikely is I quite. Oh, I agree. It's highly yeah, unlikely. Yeah, but it's it's more than highly unlikely because one of those nights they're going to be off, right? And then they're going to have to. Good teams find ways to win even when they're playing a bad game, right? That's what yeah. they. That's what you always say. Like they look at you know last year and in, in college football, like people would say, like you know, the good teams just like on their off nights they still find a way to like kind of scrounge it out, and that's that's the mental side of of these things. And so, in even if they do play their best basketball night, you know, night one, night two, maybe night three, they if things don't. What what happens when things don't? go as well, you know, in the in the beginning of the game and it does that spiral. Yeah, and that's the thing that Aluma and for as much as he was besmirched during the season, Storm Murphy were able to do for us in the tournament last year. Is yes. kind of just bring A games night after night mm-hmm. and then allow guys like Couture who can be inconsistent to flash when he wanted to flash in the championship exactly. game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're, we're dealing with a little bit of inconsistency right now. And, and grandpa Sile, like he's, he's not Kevin Aluma. He's, he's just not <laughs> yeah. like, he's, he's a good player and he's been improving throughout the year, but he's not Kevin Aluma. Not right now. Maybe he will be in a week. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Never know. All right. That is going to do it. We covered tons of stuff tonight. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the podcast. We had to, we had to get an update to you. Um, we've put out a couple of memory lane episodes since me and Robbie last recorded. Hopefully you listened to the Virginia tech UVA recap of the ball in the rim game and the Nebraska recap with Danny Cole, which was awesome. Danny, like, I guess maybe it's just from being a player and doing interviews, but he was so good at answering questions and like pinpointing exactly what to say. He was really good. Uh, if you guys haven't listened to, the no, recap of the 2009 Nebraska game, I would highly recommend you check that one out. Yeah. Um, and that's going to do it. So hit us on Twitter. It's at 2DeepVT and at Memory Lane SOS on Twitter for the two podcasts. They're going to keep coming through the same feed. And we're kind of transitioning the 2Deep under the influence name to just like, it's the 2Deep feed because it's got two podcasts. It just made too much sense to change it. Yeah. And you've probably noticed the new album artwork. You can still email us. It's 2DeepVT at gmail.com. And you can find information about the podcast on the Sons of Saturday website. And until next time, when hopefully we're talking about some spring football, yeah. the game, whatever, go Hokies. <laughs> <laughs>